This is Bracket Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. Back from an inadvertent hiatus, a little bit of a brief, uh, we missed last week. I'll just fess up, we missed last week. We had great intentions to record as we were all going to be making the trek back home. And uh, we all brought our gear and everything and then just didn't, it blanked, I blanked out on it and just forgot to do it. And then on Saturday morning, looked at each other and said, well, it's too damn late now. So we did not get you a Rivalry Week preview hand up. Sorry about that. Hopefully you missed us. Uh, we are back with a little bit of a bigger good, bad, and ugly to make up for it, talking about everything Rivalry Week before we look ahead to conference championships later on. Here to break it all down with me is my brother, Pierce. Pierce, how are you? Doing very well. Um, I will admit I got on my phone and was looking at the uh, early lines for this upcoming weekend, the conference championship weekend, and uh, it hit me. It hit me. College football is over. There really is only one good matchup this week in college football, and that, or, or excuse me, two in Oregon, Washington, and uh, and George, Alabama. The other ones are just meh. You know, I mean, maybe if there's an upset, it could be fun, which which would always be welcomed. But um, you know, it's 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 bittersweet. It's it's nice to kind of finally get here. We're 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 here at the end of the road, uh, or or close to it, um, and and now everything matters, um, and, and so. The culmination of a great season, uh, it's nice to be at that moment, but also sucks to uh, know that the football season is over. But it was a good feast week, um, good uh, good rivalry week, good uh, good sports week in general. So I'm um, happy to, and excited to dive in and, and jump in and discuss with y'all. Pierce is starting off on a high note. Vibes are high with him. It's all over. It's all over. Don't forget about us. Uh, yeah, I know the good part about uh, the college football season is that you still have a few weeks of NFL to go. So uh, football's not over. We still have a lot of bowls and things to uh, to preview. But yes, a lot of teams looking at you, Florida, your season is over. Uh, because we want to make up for the fact that we missed last week's preview, we asked our other brother, Hank, to hop on here tonight so he can also help break down week 12. Before we get into that, Hank, Hank, how are you? I'm doing good. I finally, uh, I went on a full fast today, basically, just to recover from the amount of pie I ate. Um, but feeling good now. Um, I am officially declaring that my easy peasies, whenever I give them out, are bad luck. Because this week, of course, we miss our easy peasies, don't give them out, and I go, I lose one bet on the whole week. Uh, from I think I went seven, seven and one, or something like that, so... Declaring easy peasies fade if I give them out. Um, that's just kind of from here on out. That may be a good good idea for you. If I don't give them out, maybe you kind of DM me and I'll uh, slide them under the table because they're guaranteed to win if I don't say them on these airwaves. But excited to talk about the, the uh, week. It was a fun weekend. So excited to get into it. Yeah, I had a pretty good weekend myself. Um, went ahead because uh, I can't gamble down here illegally, at least in Atlanta. So I went ahead and put... A, uh, a little bit of a parlay for the championship weekend early lines. So hopefully nothing crazy happens like people getting hurt or people getting, I don't know, benched for some reason or so. I don't know, but hopefully everything holds serve because I feel pretty good about it. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get into that all next week. Um, let's just start it from the top here, guys. There's some news uh, breaking has broken in the college football world. When I left Nashville, Tennessee Friday or I'm sorry, Sunday morning, uh, it looked like, Mark Stoops was going to be the next head coach of Texas A&M, replacing Jimbo Fisher. And then I think by the time that I got home, it was no longer Jimbo Fisher. It is now Mike Elko, head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. I think he went like 16-9 and nine at Duke of all places. So, uh, you know, he, he really did run a great ship there and, and turned it around a little bit, if you will. He's coming home of sorts to Texas A&M, of course, uh, previously to taking the Duke job. He was the uh, defensive coordinator for Texas A&M. Uh, I've heard Texas A&M fans be pretty vocal about wanting Mike Elko to come home. Um, I, I have mixed feelings on this a little bit. I'm not going to lie, um, but I, I would love to get y'all's thoughts on this. It was a weird situation. It was a little reminiscent uh, without the scandal 
of when Tennessee tried to hire Greg Schiano and then their fan base revolted and they didn't end up going with Schiano. They said they, uh, I believe it was uh, Jerry Pruitt uh, at the time, and uh, that was a dumpster fire. So a little bit of vibes like this. Uh, if you believe the rumors, I don't think this has been substantiated. But if you believe the rumors, he actually landed in Texas A and M in College Station. They said never mind, and he went back to uh, uh, Lexington. I don't know if that has been substantiated, but that is just wild, and it just shows the uh, drama that comes along with the head coach uh, head coaching search. But uh, Pierce, I mean, you, what do you think? Good hire, bad hire, indifferent. Yeah, I think it's a good hire. It's it's weird. I kind of have mixed emotions about this one. Um, you know, first off, ridiculous. It's an outsider. It's 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 fun to watch a fan base uh, kind of revolt. Um, you know, and and uh, and and get outspoken about something, especially when it comes to a hire. And and you know that ends up in turn, you know, changing who the, the course of who you're going to hire, especially last minute like this. So it's always fun because that's a, a bit of an embarrassing move, especially for the AD. To, uh, to, to get sucked into all of that. Um, it's also funny because, in essence, they got a, a Mark Stoops light. They got a guy who's kind of going to be very similar to what Mark Stoops would have been, in my opinion. Um, and, and, and the only difference being Stoops is probably more proven. Uh, so the good thing, though, is they, they did get Elko for cheaper than they would have gotten Stoops. Uh, the buyout at Kentucky uh, is certainly larger than, um, than Elko. So uh, I think they did save some money, and after obviously giving Jimbo seventy-seven million dollars on the way out the door, um, you know, not that they couldn't afford it, but you know, we had heard rumblings that this was going to be um, taken into consideration. They were not going to be it. They were not going to go out and just willy-nilly throw, uh, you know, a hundred million contract around again to try to swoon whoever um, you know big name that they uh, they thought was the sexy hire. So it's it's also good uh, for Texas A&M. He's got a history there, obviously having been a D coordinator. Some people think that, uh, you know, from – I think he was there from 2019 or maybe it was 18 to 2021 uh, or 2020. I think he left in 21 because um, he was at Duke 21-22 season. Um, maybe I'm slightly off on that. 22-23. Okay, so he's finished 21. A lot of people credit him for kind of keeping that that team somewhat together and, and you know, I guess uh, having some success because it, otherwise it would have been a dumpster fire without him. Um, so – he comes in, certainly he's going to have to make some good hires. Um, something to keep in mind, does he try to bring Riley Leonard over from Duke? That would be something to be uh, to be interested in. Is he going to keep Connor Wegman? What route is he going to go with the quarterback? That's going to be a fascinating story to watch um, because Riley Leonard obviously was getting uh, was getting recruited pretty hard, or it seemed so. There were rumors swirling that uh, you know your, your Alabamas and whatnot last year were looking at Riley Leonard as a potential transfer. So, um, is he tied to the hip of Elko? If that's the case, he could end up being, uh, you know, with the talent around. If he can figure out a way to kind of unite this locker room and, 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 and clean up some things, I'm not saying that they're going to win a national championship next year, but the talent is certainly there. So big shoes, uh, to fill, not, not necessarily from his predecessor, but just in general with the, the expectations that come in college station. So, um, interesting hire to say the least. I like it, but it's also uh, comical because of the Mike Stoop stuff. It, yeah, it was very odd, and and you go from a guy who you took a big swing with, right? You took a huge swing with Jimbo Fisher. You went to him because you're like, hey, he's proven he can win national championships, and a lot of the fan base was saying, hey, we need a big, we need a big swing here, and they didn't end up doing that. It's it's more of a safe decision, um, but but certainly one that could pan out, uh, and hopefully not quite with the price tag that Jimbo Fisher came with. But um, yeah, I mean. I think honestly, the worst the the person who is, um, the I, I'm I'm concerned about Mike Elko. I'll put it that way. I think there's a lot of expectations on him to come back and really, you know, it's like they're getting their guy. Uh, you know, when Jimbo, not Jimbo, I'm sorry, when um when Kirby Smart was hired, uh, when when it, it felt like okay, we got our guy. There's just certain people. Lincoln Riley at USC was one. We got our guy. Brian Kelly. These are people that you think like you got your guy. Look. Not all of them turn out. Brian Kelly, jury's still out. Lincoln Riley, I don't know. Um, so it's interesting. Hank, what are your thoughts? Do you have any, like, do you, is there anything that just jumps off the page with you with him? Or is it kind of like, hey, I, I'm soured on this, or I think this is great? Like, what's your thoughts? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm pretty in line with what Pierce was saying. Um, I, I, I am interested in kind of what you touched on, too, is just how he will handle the expectations. I think, he, like Pierce said, he's he's really – 
I mean, in a lot of ways, he's very, very similar to um, Stoops. He's done it at kind of lesser, lesser um, in the spotlight program, I guess you'd say for football. Um, but he, he's and he's a little less proven. <clears throat> but I mean, he's he's done a lot with uh, arguably less, I would say, as, as a program at Duke. And even though Kentucky's not much of a football program either. Um, He's won. He's proven he can win at least um, at that level. And now it's just whether he can deal with the expectations and um, can can kind of keep these fans, you know, from you know jumping ship and freaking out too early. But at the same time, like Pierce said, um, and like y'all both said, he's he's been at A and M and and they like him enough right now to uh, maybe garner a little um, leeway here in the first year or so, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's probably the, I like the higher better. I think, I think, um, Elko will turn out to be able, in my opinion, be able to handle what he would, what. Oh, you you like it better than what they would have got with Mark Stoops potentially. Yeah. Over, over Elko or Elko over. Yeah. Stoops. I mean. I think it's like like Pierce mentioned. I just said it's kind of a similar hire, but um, there's just little things that I think he like like knowing the fan base at least being there for what was he? He's a defensive guy. Yes. Did you say he's a, yeah? At least being there for a little bit, he kind of understands the program and what they expect. So I think it's a good hire. Um, it's it's yet to be seen. We'll see how it goes, but I think I think there's some promise there. Well, okay, so that one maybe feels more like, a, okay, this makes sense. Let's talk about another one here. Um, and that's Jeff Lebby, offensive coordinator of Oklahoma. He is headed to Mississippi State. Those were made pretty much in tandem. Those uh, announcements were made pretty much in tandem. Lebby may be getting a little bit of a head start there uh, for Mississippi State. Um, hey, listen, he's done great work at Oklahoma. They have one of the most prolific offenses in the country now. You can start making excuses and go, yeah, but that's against Big 12 defenses. You know, he he kind of had more pieces to play with because it's Oklahoma. How easily is he going to be able to be the head guy and recruit to Starkville? Um, one of my really good friends, uh, her fiance is a big Mississippi State guy. And the first thing he did was text me and said, what do you think? And I said, "It's it could go either way. In my opinion, it could go either way. It could be a fantastic hire. And y'all have the next Dan Mullen there in Starkville. And I say Dan Mullen because I don't think you ever get a Nick Saban to Mississippi State. I just don't. Um, or it could be, you know, hey, a swing and a miss. It's a, you know, not a, he's not ever been a head coach before. And I think it's kind of a low bar. It's far, like, you know, if it's not the guy, you kind of move on. It's whatever um, for Mississippi State. So I think they didn't need to make as big of a splash. And I don't think they did, certainly, uh, with Jeff Lebby. But uh, I, I actually like the hire, I think, more than Mike Elko. Um, and I don't know if y'all have either, uh, have y'all, if y'all have any thoughts on that. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll turn to our resident big 12 guy, Pierce. Um, you know, you obviously watch the big 12 a little bit closer than Hank and I do. And, uh, do you have any insights here about Jeff Levy to Mississippi state? Um, definitely a fascinating hire. Um, <clears throat> You know, Lebby has some roots, obviously, not, uh, you know, having coached at Ole Miss where, you know, he's recruited that area and is familiar with that state. So kind of nice to have somebody that steps in there that has a pulse on, uh, you know, football in Mississippi and, and in the southeast. That's that's definitely nice. Like the, uh, you know, and fascinated with the actual hire uh, with the offense that he's going to be bringing in. I'm sure it's a great thing right now for the recruits. Um, you know, they they. They don't uh, recruit at the standard of a Georgia or a Florida or Alabama, but um, you know they'll they'll sneak a couple good players out of Mississippi State from time to time. There there are some good programs around where they are, um, so I did see some good reactions coming from some of the recruits on, "Hey, this is exciting," and I think that's exactly what this hire is about. It's uh, it's trying to get back to a guy who runs a scheme that will at least bring excitement um, or, or should bring excitement, and so. Um, and they and they should score some points. And if you look back, you know the most successful coach at Mississippi State over the last twenty years was Dan Mullen, who who brought a similar, different, unique offense that uh, you know that could give people trouble. Um, I I wonder what his mindset is coming in. It, it, he, there is some baggage with him, um, as I'm sure y'all know. 
He is uh, the son-in-law of Art Bryles and uh, I guess had burned some bridges in Norman with uh, bringing Art Bryles onto the field during one of the games this year. And the OU fans did not like that very much. Um, so that that is definitely interesting and, and something that, you know, I've heard some people say, uh, you know, when you look into his background, probably would rather go a different way. Um, but, but if you're, you know, if you're Mississippi State, you got to take a shot. Um, you know, the dull hires, the, the, the safe hires, I think, are the wrong way to go. That's kind of like Zach Arnett, a good up-and-coming coach, but was never going to bring a sexy style of offense or, or, or a sexy style of play into, uh, into um, Starkville. And, and obviously, his floor was going to be a lot lower as a result. At least Levy, you know, comes from that tree like Josh Heupel, um, you know, Art Bryles, that a lot of those up-tempo, uh, you know, aired-out type of concepts. And, um, you know, the Mike Leach kind of concept as well, air raid. And I think that, you know, if that's good enough to knock off one or two uh, teams and, and, and those kind of upsets each year, you know, a seven-win season I think is 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 a success. So it'll be interesting. Um, obviously, he's got to build that program up. I think because of the transition from an air raid to Zach Arnett, they're going to have to find guys. And so I, I'm not anticipating a great first year for Levy. Um, but you know, he's going to be given some time there, um, because it's just not a program that can cycle through coaches, uh, quickly. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll really quickly just, we, I don't know if we even talked about the Art Bryles thing. That was weird. Cause it was like, he wasn't on the field to recruit. He wasn't an analyst. He was there, you know, after the game with his son-in-law and his grandkids, uh, whatever. But I get what you're saying. You, you know, people want to stay away from scandal and they've found things to be outraged that are a lot less, um, uh, you know. I don't know. Scandalous. To be quite honest, I have no idea the background, like other than him being the son-in-law. So it doesn't bother me as yeah. much. Um, but just having heard some things today, read some things, um, you know, for whatever reason, Oklahoma fans, you know, being holier than now, thought that it was uh, a travesty that he was uh, out there supporting his son-in-law. So, you know, I, 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 that doesn't bother me as much. But I don't know how far back those yeah. stories go yeah. um, with the connections. Well, Hank, do you have anything to add about this one, or do you want to talk about the uh, the next one, which uh, involves uh, one of the more head scratching moves, in my opinion? Yeah, I don't have too much to add on. I think it's a it's a good hire. Um, they'll bring Mississippi State's a tough job being <clears throat> having to play, you know, the Alabamas, LSU's, AMs of the world each year. So coming in and bringing that uh, kind of high tempo offensive um, style um, to kind of match up with these those teams, you know, is it's it's the better way to go um, than bringing in maybe like a a defensive guy who wants to run the ball a lot. It's going to be you're going to have to be better than Bama in in that situation, and that's not usually a a recipe for success. So I think it's a good hire um, well, on the offensive the, side of the ball. The other hire yeah. that has been made is, so So you think about Elko to A&M, he's got now more recruiting or more money than God to work with in recruiting if he wants it. Um, he, you know, you've got Lebby to Mississippi State who not quite as much pressure, harder to recruit to, not quite as much pressure. Um, and quite frankly, I think that fan base is okay with like, a nine and three, 10 and two season. I don't think there's a ton of like, we need a national championship. We need it now from that fan base. You got a ton so of, they, it. they would, they would create a statue for a, a coach that went 10. And exactly. I mean, look at Dan Mullen. I thought he was a very average head coach and they love him. They talk about the Dan Mullen years as if they are, you know, the, the greatest years ever, the glory years. So to your point, you know, Hey, you just go and you win some games. Now it's harder to recruit to Starkville uh, on an A&M side. You should be easier time to, uh, to, to recruit, to, College Station, you got a ton of resources, but you also, whenever you have all those resources and all that money, you've got a lot of expectation, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So um, we'll remain to be seen about those two uh, there in the SEC. But there was a coaching vacancy in the Big Ten that was also filled this week. Immediately following the Civil War on Friday night, it was announced to Jonathan Smith, head coach of Oregon State, who is believe is an Oregon State guy, uh, is being hired away to Michigan State. This one was kind of head scratching to me because that's a, excuse my French, that's a shitty job to take. Totally rebuilding. Uh, you know, East Lansing, I don't know. I've never been there. I don't think it's one of the top jobs in America. Yes, the divisions are going away in the Big Ten as well, but so, but you're still probably going to have to play Michigan every single year. You're probably going to have to draw an Ohio State. I get 
it from a standpoint of Oregon State is in flux and you don't know where you're going next or anything like that. You know, there's right now they're the pack two or whatever, um, him in Washington State. But I kind of feel like he probably would have been a player for other jobs, quite frankly. Um, now, did they have a huge buyout? They offered a huge extension to Mel Tucker and they offered a, you know, as a result, had to have a huge buyout. So, yeah, probably more than you'd get at Oregon State. But I just saw that and I was kind of like, wow, okay, weird. The only downside to Oregon State is the fact that you don't have a conference, but that probably maybe is not for forever. And also, you're still gonna be a you know a name that comes up for other jobs that become available. So I found that one to be weird, guys. I don't know if you guys agree with me, um, but Michigan State gets their guy, and now Oregon State's left uh, trying to find. What I do know is the state of Oregon in general. That just seems like a place people don't want to stay. I don't know why. If it's the rain, if they're depressed. It always looks gorgeous to me, but uh, it's it's not a place people stay for very long, um, as evidenced by Jonathan Smith leaving. So um, I'll open to the floor. We'll start with Hank if you have anything to add, and then we'll uh, we'll flip it over to Pierce uh, to clean it up there uh, before we get in our good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, I don't have a ton of <clears throat> a ton of thoughts yet on the Jonathan Smith hire. I mean, I agree it is a little weird, <clears throat> but I have seen some stuff. He's starting to get a good coaching staff around him. I think. I mean. I don't know what the reasoning is there for him necessarily. Pierce maybe I'm a little more in depth on that one, but um, maybe he just thought that you get more talent out there and don't have to compete. I mean, I don't know. That's it's, it's pretty much a same situation. He's going to be in just in a weirder spot and you're going to have to play, you know, Michigan and those teams now instead of Oregon. So I, I guess it's PAC 12 is going away. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting for sure. I don't have a ton of thought on that one, but it is interesting. All right. Well, Pierce type any loose ends here. Yeah. You, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head, Madison. This, this was simply a money thing um, and not necessarily from a contractual money earning uh, standpoint. <clears throat> this is about the potential. Um, Oregon State, it feels like this was the final nail in the coffin for Oregon State. You know, it's been a fun ride, but uh, now you're just basically a little, a slightly more attractive version of a, a Fresno State or a Boise State or a San Diego State. I mean, that's quite frankly what what they are now. Um, they're 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 without a conference, and uh, I don't see. You know, obviously, if if an Alabama or Georgia came up, or or you know, Ohio State or USC. Could he have been lured away? Sure. I, I think uh, as most of these college coaches aspire to be at the top of the, of the sport, uh, winning national championships and testing their medal against the best of the best. So despite being an Oregon State alum, um, he, he did play quarterback at Oregon State. Um, you know, there were going to be times where the, if, if it continued on this trajectory, he would have gotten hired away. But I don't know if this would happen if the Pac-12 was staying together. Um, it's simply about money because Michigan State, uh, that that is a very – Football crazy state, um, you know they they. I would think that they could get he, he'll be able to get better recruits in and around that area than he could up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and I think another big thing is that on Michigan State's end is when you look at at at, uh, at Jonathan Smith's career um, at Oregon State, it was a rebuilding project. Um, he came in in 2017 and the, and the program was really really down in the dumps. Um, he made a bowl in his fourth season um, and and delivered their third 10-win season in program history last year, winning co-head um, coach of the year honors in the Pac-12. So um, younger guy as well. This is this is a guy that, that knows how to build a program. He built a program at Oregon State um, and got them to where they were competing with the big dogs in that conference. And I think Michigan State saw that and, and, and found that very attractive. He also um, will know, you know some of the programs that are coming into the Big Ten that, were, that he's played um, in the Pac-12. So I think it's a, I think it's, I kind of like this hire. I mean, it's going to be tough because they are, uh, you know, they are little brother in that state. Um, certainly he's got to bring in some good coordinators and he's got to find some transfer guys. And I think he's got to have a, a, a good year, a sneaky good year, a la kind of Mel Tuckerish um, in his first couple of years to, to, to try to kickstart this and get this going sooner because Michigan state, I don't, I don't think they'll give him, um, you know, four or five years. I think they're going to be a little bit more impatient. Um, now we'll see. Obviously, the buyout. Well, I think they actually got out of that buyout with Mel Tucker, so maybe they uh, they don't. Oh, have to right, pay him because of the weird. Fee. Yeah, so maybe that that does change things. So they're going to have, uh, you know, they're they're going to have some some money there to play with. I would think. So um, yeah, if he can get, then you know, come years, you know, come year three, 
they're at least, you know, top 25, um, you know, screw a bowl. They're, obviously, if they're top 25, they'll be making a bowl. But just making the games with Michigan and, and Ohio State and, uh, you know, the top dogs in that conference exciting, I think that's really where Michigan State wants to get at. Obviously, they would love to be fighting for national championships. I mean, this is a team that, that has played in the playoff game. So keep that in mind. I mean, it's it's not out of the ordinary for them. Um, very few teams have been able to do that. So there's potential there. Um, if he can come in and, and, and the program that he built at Oregon State, if he can, uh, you know, follow that outline and, and, and get it done at Michigan State, it's got a little, got to do it a little bit sooner, I would think. I, I think it, it, it's a pretty solid hire. Well, that is all the hirings that have happened. There have been some other firings. Uh, Dana Holgerson out at Houston. Um, help me out. I'm trying to remember the other people that have been. That's the that's the biggest one to me. There have been two that have been solidified, and they're like, hey, we're not moving away. And that is uh, Chip Kelly at UCLA and Sam Pittman at Arkansas, despite both losing their rivalry game in spectacular fashion. Um, who the who's the other one, Pierce? I'm, I'm forgetting. There's two. There's two more. Um, Syracuse is open. Oh, Duke is yep. now open. Um, obviously, Oregon State is in. Um, let's see. I think that's about. I mean, there's a couple others like San Diego State's open, but. I right. think that does it um, for okay. the big the big uh, programs. Okay. Well, we shall see if there are any that hit the uh, – we'll, we'll try to keep you up to date with that. We're going to move into bowl season, so we're going to talk mainly about football. But if anything becomes super uh, newsworthy, maybe we'll do an emergency podcast here to talk about those things. We've already been going for over 20 minutes, boys, and I want to get to the games and what happened during Feast Week because there was a lot to talk about. I will start it off here with the the – the game, the game, the literally the game, which I think is pretty pompous that they call it the game. But regardless, I'm going to talk here about the Michigan-Ohio State game. Everybody was anticipating this thing. Uh, you know, I, I, I stopped short of saying it's the most anticipated regular season game that we've had in our lifetimes, but I'm having a hard time thinking of other ones, mainly because of the offseason stuff, right? Uh, mainly because of the fact that, think about this, if if Michigan wins the national championship Jim Harbaugh will have only coached on the sideline for six regular season games. He's missed he's missed half the season due to suspensions and other things. Um, but you know, hey, credit to them, they keep getting it done at home, thirty to twenty four. Such a good game in general. Um, you could flip it around too and say maybe this is just me, but I sat there and and I thought to myself, I'm not scared of either of these teams. It's two it's two pretty average quarterbacks. Um. Blake Corum is great. It's the first time he's played in this rivalry matchup that he has been 100% healthy, and he looked great. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just ultimately kind of think, not saying that Ohio State lost this game, but I think they are hurting without a C.J. Stroud at the helm. And, and you can't always have a C.J. Stroud, a, 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 you know, a Justin Fields. You're going to go through the, the wilderness a little bit, and that's what we're seeing here with Kyle McCord. Um, but I don't think JJ was super impressive either, but you get it done at home. Great environment. They rush the field. Personally, I think we're overdoing rushing the fields, but that's also fine. Um, you know, Hey, they feel they have this mentality of Michigan versus the world. And, you know, Hey, even though they basically admitted to cheating, um, they're going to, they, I mean, they should beat Iowa by a million points this weekend. And then they're going to the playoff. I'm not saying anything that's not been said in any other podcast. It's put up or shut up time, Michigan. Like, Go win a damn playoff game then. Like, go win a playoff game because all I'm seeing is a team that does really well in the regular season and beats up on all of these smaller, uh, you know, and, and, and poorer and, and not as good, not as talented Big Ten teams. And then when you get to the playoff, you fold like a freaking table underneath a Buffalo Bills fan. Go win a damn game. It's one thing to get blown out by Georgia, one of the most talented Georgia teams we've ever seen, if not the most talented Georgia Watch team. yourself now. Tread lightly. But <laughs> <laughs> but to lose to TCU, who gutted it out and had some, some gutsy performances last year, but I, I, when we saw the <laughs> national championship, were not anything to write home about. And to lose to them, it's put up or shut up time. It's time. Third straight season in the playoffs. What are you going to do? You're probably going to get, if everything holds serve, you know, we'll see what the committee does next or tomorrow night with uh, the playoff rankings. I can't imagine it could happen. It could happen that Michigan jumps Georgia there. But if, if Georgia wins and beats Alabama, I got to imagine they jump back up to number one because they beat 
Alabama as opposed to, you know, an Iowa team. So if everything holds serve, I got to imagine you're the number two seed. You're probably going to get maybe an undefeated Florida State who is pitiful without their, you know, head or their uh, their their starting quarterback. An Oregon or a Texas, both good teams, but have their flaws and have been beaten. So put up or shut up time, but ultimately good on them uh, getting it done. Like I said, at home, thirty to twenty four, and uh, they just own Ryan Day and company. They just own them. Um, and you know, hey, is they if there's a less likable coach than Ryan Day? I haven't seen him. I really went into this thinking that Ohio State might just have enough to get or to to get past Michigan, and that was not the case. Um, shout out to, uh, to, uh, Sharon Wilson, Wilson, Marone, Sher- Moore. Moore. Thank you. I was like, that's not right. Uh, Sharon Moore, uh, Moore, who now has, is going to definitely get himself a head coaching job because we've seen him do it now on the field for Michigan. Um, but yeah, it was, it was close. It was close. It was close till it wasn't. And they get the job done 30 to 24. So they're my good of the week. They won the week story of the week story of the season. If you want to go that far. Um, but I think that that's probably all she wrote for Ohio State. They need a lot of help to still get in to the playoff. Um, I think your your first person up to bat with a claim to get in, um, you know, it would be in Alabama uh, once you start getting into people that are not going to be the conference championship. But we'll see. So that's my go to the week. So a couple things yeah, on that ahead. real quick, Madison. Funny enough, ESPN has Ohio State with a greater than 50% chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. So do that's with that what you will. I don't agree with that, um, but do with that what you will. But there is a scenario out there. If if Georgia wins, if FSU loses, and if Texas loses, it's going to come down to Ohio State and that and that uh, what third team in the Pac-12, or no? It's going to come down to uh, the, the the loser in the Pac-12. So Washington, and say Oregon. Oregon wins. So do you go with a one loss Washington or a one loss Ohio State? So there is a pathway if, if Texas. Did you say if Georgia loses or Georgia wins? Georgia wins. Okay. If Georgia wins, FSU loses, and Texas loses, that would mean that they have a they have a real. And if Washington wins, then I think they're in, right? If Oregon wins, then Washington's a one loss team who will be fighting Ohio State at at yeah. for that four spot. Yeah. Um. So well, you know there is a path, but it's going to take a lot. To me, it comes down to resume, and the farther we've gotten away from that Notre Dame game, the worse that that has looked for Ohio State. No, fair, fair. And funny enough, if you look at the resume, Washington's resume has actually been better yeah. than Ohio State's. Um, so it is kind of funny, but listen, it's a it's a brand name, and and you know, it just as uh, just like last year, uh, I, I they're going to try to find a way to get Ohio State yes. in because they'd love to see a rematch. So um, keep that in the back of your mind. Not necessarily saying they're deserved. But, right. uh, you know. but because, you know what's so funny? Everybody wants to cry about SEC bias, SEC bias. Y'all realize there's a Michigan-Ohio State bias more than anything else, right? Okay, just leaving that doubt there. Um, all right, uh, let's move on here, Pierce, since you already have the floor. Tell us about your good of the week. Uh, I've got two teams, and I'll make this quick. Um, I, won't, I won't talk for too long. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> two teams that came into this weekend – Looking like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say they were legitimately an upset watch, but but a spot where it was like, hey, you know, you don't take this seriously now. You, this could be a close game, and you could be sweating it out at the end. Um, Texas over Texas Tech just absolutely throttled Tech. Tech has been playing uh, a little bit better ball down the bat uh, during the last six games of the season. Um, and you thought, hey, they might be able to come in at least, at least maybe for a couple quarters, make this one a game, and make Texas have to work again. You know, Texas hasn't looked. All that good. Um, obviously, I know yours has been out, but they've uh, they've certainly left a lot to be desired. Um, and and boy, they shut the notion of Texas Tech having a chance very quick in that game. Um, and and it's good to see because it's a team that you know while they don't control their own destiny, is uh, you know if they win the Big Twelve, has every you know they're going to be chirping as loud as anybody that they deserve to be in. So um, you know they needed the, they needed I think they needed the little style points. Um, to at least give them a better uh, 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 arguing point. Um, now they need to go do the same thing next week and take care of business there. Um, I think they line up and match up pretty well with Oklahoma State. So um, we'll, we'll break that, that down, obviously, later this week. But good to see them get the blowout win um, to make their case a little bit stronger. And also uh, Arizona. And I've, I've had Arizona in the good, golly, four or five times at least this season. They have found their quarterback, Noah Fafita, goes for over 500 yards. This was a spot that even I was eyeing. Um, potentially, uh, you know, an Arizona State, at least keeping it close with that spread, 
Um, Arizona coming off a you know a, a big run of games um, and, and some emotional hard fought games, um, and and to go into Arizona State, albeit I know Arizona State's not the best of teams, they've played a little bit better. They at least fought um, for Coach Dillingham in his first year, even though they're they're severely undermatched, um, you know, with a freshman quarterback and Jade Rashada. But man, Arizona shut them up quickly, and and, and make no doubt about it. Uh, I think Arizona is a, at least a top 12 team and, and uh, honestly, I think deserves that 10th spot right behind Missouri. I, I think they have found their quarterback of the future. Jed uh, Fish is, you know, not being talked about enough in my opinion. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that he hasn't been targeted in one of these hires. Uh, obviously, we'll have some time, but what he's done at Arizona is, is nothing short of uh, amazing. So uh, kudos to Arizona. I, I think Jed Fish has a chance to be the, the – head coach of the year um, <clears throat> because what he has done there is spectacular. It, it takes an up-tempo, high-flying passing attack to have any shot at beating them um, because they can do it as well, and they can also uh, they can also beat you up along the trenches and, and in the run game. So um, good on the Arizona Wildcats and the Texas Longhorns. Quite a turnaround for them, and to your point – um, you know, you gotta, you really gotta work hard to get them to care about football out there. So, um, I think that probably is why he's being overlooked a little bit is cause they don't bang their chest hard enough, but yeah, I, it'll be a matter of time till Judd Fish is linked to one of these big jobs. I, I agree with you there. Um, all right, Arizona as Pierce is good. Hank, what is your good of the week? I'm going with, I'm going with Mizzou. Um, and, and more specifically really even Cody Schrader's performance and, and kind of a culmination of all the year for this team. Um, I mean, only two losses on the year for Missouri, uh, Georgia and LSU. And LSU was a hard-fought one, and they gave Georgia a run for their money. So um, this this team that I think I think Drink um, has a good chance at winning uh, Coach of the Year this year um, for what he's done there. And 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 like I said, Cody Schrader. I mean, this is a guy who came over D two, I believe, was a walk on when he came over. Um, and he's done all but he's earned that scholarship. So he um, he rushes for tw- 217 this game and a touchdown on 27 carries. Uh, he had at least two 40-yard runs. Um, he, he was just breaking things off left and right. And, and part of that is uh, some good offensive line and some good uh, some good scheme there. And uh, I think they were running some toss sweeps, which I just love seeing those. Those, those, those are fun when you see them. Uh, coming around the edge and you can tell okay he's got some daylight he just got to take off and he's 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 a fun guy to watch um you can tell he's humble he he goes by his business he's a guy that uh he uh he'll he'll like he'll break that 50 yard run off and he just hands it back to the um the ref and and is ready for the next play he's kind of like nick chubb in that aspect and i love nick chubb so he's uh he's my more specifically my good of the week but mizzou as a whole too they uh overachieved um pretty much all year in my opinion um and and they capped off uh capped off this good great regular season with a um dominating win over arkansas and some may say it was more arkansas being bad than it is very good but i'm gonna highlight the good on this one testament to coach drink there at mizzou he is kind of like the opposite of what you're seeing in this microwave coaching carousel right now they gave him some time to cook and uh i'm pretty sure they're liking what he's coming up with because um yeah, it's 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 definitely um, greener pastures ahead for Mizzou. I, I, I would think so. Uh, we'll see. With the, it, it's just fascinating to see what's going to happen with the dropping divisions next year. If that's going to help or hurt a team like Mizzou, um, but yeah, I mean, they are absolute hell right now, and uh, they're feeling themselves. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens with him. He should be in consideration for the coach of the year as well. Um, let's flip it over to our bad of the week. I'm going to go with the Louisville Cardinals. Um, not a ton to say here other than you had one job. You had one job you just had to get past a middling Kentucky at home as the uh, number 10 team in the nation sitting at 11 and 1 going to the ACC championship and you lose 38 to 31 um just an absolute going out with your regular season with just a sputter. Now, they could beat FSU and and feel good about themselves, but they would have a potential opportunity to get in the playoffs if they had beat Kentucky and they don't get it done. They just absolutely uh, choked when it mattered the most. And, uh, you know, I think this is more of a testament of all, all year long. People were like, oh, the ACC looks pretty good. ACC looks pretty good. I think the ACC is not really all that good this season. I think that's what we're seeing. When you're losing to the fourth best team in the SEC East, I think you're just not that good of a conference. So, um, 
good on good on Kentucky to get up for this and to to kind of save what could have been, you know, you're sitting there at six and six. Now you're at seven and five. I know that's a small, feels small in minuscule, school, but it is a good, tur- you know, it's a, a significant enough change. I should say it's going to get you in a better bowl. Um, now your coach did try to go to college station immediately after, but that's fine. We won't focus on that part. Um, you know, they're going to have to just have to come to Jesus moment, moment about if they ever want to be good at football or not, because they're right there on the precipice and, and moments like this show you that they've got good coaching. Um, but, but they don't, like I said, they, they just don't care enough, but Louisville on the other hand, this apparently is, you know, it's one of those little brother, big brother situations. The little brother thought, Oh, we're coming in where the, where they're going to get them this time. Uh, we're the better team and they do not. Uh, and, and that's against a Devin Leary, who's been kind of a bust of a transfer. Um, Jack Plummer, 242 yards, two touchdowns, but he did have an interception as well. Um, and, Let's see, Jawar Jordan. Am I saying that right? Jahar, whatever. He had a fumble. So you start turning the ball over like that. That's just not a good recipe um, to to beating a Kentucky team um, that, you know, had your number. What can I say? But I have have a Louisville friend, and she she was texting me, and she was talking trash all week long about the ACC championship. And then it's not gonna matter. It's not gonna matter because if you beat FSU, guess what? The ACC doesn't get in. You beat FSU, great. You beat FSU without a Jordan Travis. doesn't matter anyways because you guys aren't that good this year. Uh, so they're my bat of the week, uh, and we'll flip it over to Pierce for his bat of the week. My bat of the week, and quite frankly, it could be the ugly of the week as well, but I've got one that, uh, believe it or not, tops it a little bit in, in, in a unique way um, or in a couple of unique ways. But bat of the week is the Florida Gators. Um, you know, to get out to a 12-0 lead on your arch rival FSU, and then more of the same, dumb penalties extending that extend drives for FSU. FSU's not playing very well. You had them on the ropes, and, and, and you just kind of collapse, and, and, and it's the boneheaded mistakes. Um, I heard somebody today uh, reference back, and it will always be referenced when there's boneheaded plays in Gainesville, um, but to Marco Wilson's shoe-throwing incident. And how he's become a legitimate spirit animal for that Florida, Florida program. It seems like everyone just looks up to him and tries to emulate him. And, and, and therefore, they make boneheaded, costly penalties that, that ruin their chance of, of winning. Um, and, and, you know, certainly FSU didn't play their best. Obviously, they're without Travis Hunter. So that um, – or Jordan Travis. I do that a lot. Good gosh. Yeah, no one, and why don't you correct me either? I, you know, from as much as you rip me – you don't. You don't even look at me when I make that mistake. Madison. It's hard to look at you. You're not on camera. Okay. Well, I can see you. Um, but yeah, this 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 Florida team, uh, you know, has gone from bad to worse. Um, you know, not going to make a bowl game. That was certainly on the line. Uh, if they had won this, they would have gotten in. Um, and and now it's where do you turn? Uh, people are starting to to look elsewhere in that class, which is really the reason why Billy Napier is kind of. St- probably going to keep his job here i would i would think um just as we were on this pod he did fire two of his staffers the d-line coach and the db coach um and and i've seen some rumblings saying a lot of the people thought those were two of his better coordinators so um it seems like a not is all happy on the home front there in gainesville nor should it be um and and it seems like barring you know this this barring something crazy I just don't see Florida having a chance to 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 you know live past another year of Napier. So, um, just another uh, you know unbelievably poor um, final you know quarter and a half for Florida, and, and in losing what would have been a game that could have you know obviously the season was a failure, but could have made you look like okay, well we ended FSU's playoff hopes, we made a bowl. Now we're getting our recruiting class in. Let's keep that and 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 let's look you know onwards and upwards. And and now you're looking around, going, "Oh my gosh, we we might be in another one of these coaching searches soon." And this doesn't look great. So, uh, my bad of the week is the Florida Gators. Uh, you love to see it though when you had a uh, all these people thinking, "Oh gosh, like they're gonna they're gonna get this FSU team. It's gonna save their season." I had somebody come up to me in one of my spin classes. I I kind of made a comment about it. I said. You know, hey, it doesn't matter. We're still going to get uh, Florida this week. And he came up and said, I hope you're wrong. It would save our whole season. Yes, because they get to a bowl game. But because that's just, you know, it's rivalry week. If you if you beat your rival, you're feeling pretty dang good about yourself. And uh, I just kept hearing that in the back of my head as, as it seemed like it, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. 
Um, and the swap was certainly rocking. They were certainly excited to to, uh, to potentially upset Florida State, end their hopeful playoff chances, and uh, they don't do it. Um, I don't see the world a world where the committee leaves an undefeated Florida State out. I just don't. I know Pierce, you differ on that, but I do think it's a would be a poor playoff game to have to see Tate Rodemaker uh, versus. I mean, you're probably looking at a Georgia team or 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 a Michigan team. Now, yeah. would it be funny as hell? Would it be funny as hell if Florida State got an undefeated and they were the third seed and they played Michigan and they won? Absolutely. But then we're looking at another, another blowout TCU type game from last year. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I personally want Florida State to win every single game, but it's going to make for a poorer playoff, which stinks. But for all those people who are complaining right now about Florida State getting in and be like, but they're not that good, they're not that good. They're probably the same people who have been banging their drums for playoff expansion. I'll leave that there. Pierce, you sound like you were going to rebut something. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, to to make sure that everyone knows. I don't believe that I mean, we had that that fun, spirited argument. Uh, a couple of them this weekend. Um, I'm not <laughs> saying that FSU will be left out. I, I don't think that would you happen. Want it to happen? No. I'm just begging. I'm just posing that the committee Thank was formed to. With to have an eye test, the, the committee is there for the eye test to be a part of this factor. And I hate to say it, but kind of to what you just hit on, whoever they play, if they sneak in, I'm not going to be interested in that game. It's a layup game, in my opinion, for the other team. I mean, certainly if FSU if Rodmaker just has one of those games, sure. But I just think that uh, the 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 matchup you'd be gifting a, a Georgia or Michigan. Um, whoever's that one or two seed, uh, an easy walkthrough, in my opinion, um, easier than they would if you if you you know had one of those other one loss teams uh, if they can get through this weekend. So, but I, I I do agree. I think if they go undefeated, I think they will get in. I just think the eye test needs to play a part in this because that's why we don't have the BCS anymore. I don't think that this is the same situation, but you did have the Ohio State uh, Buckeyes win the first playoff national championship with a third-string quarterback. So it has been done. I don't think it happens. I agree with you from a standpoint of it's going to make for a poor product. I don't agree with you that they're not one of the better teams in the nation, even with, like, here's the thing. At the end of the day, you play the games for a reason. You play the games for a reason. They they got through a gauntlet. Yes, yeah. it was with a different quarterback. But Cardell just, Jones I mean, came in and tore it up, though. He had a couple games at the end of the season where he tore it up. And so it was but, like, oh, wow, well. They've got something. He was playing better than the starter was. Sure, and Tate Rodemaker is not that. But still, at the same time, it's just bonkers to me to say that, you know, hey, I mean, look at this. If Carson Beck goes down, people are like, well, but they got to play with – I understand it's different. But you're like, oh, well, they're playing with Brock Vandergriff. I'd want them to at least give us a shot for going undefeated. So, Fair. I don't know. That's where you should have had the argument because I actually thought about that too. It's yeah. like, well – Georgia's chances certainly go down, um, you know, especially because the defense isn't like it was the last two seasons as dominant as they were. So, um, you know, that that is a good – if you flip it that way, certainly I, I understand. I would – if I was an FSU spot, I would be just irate if they were to be left out after going undefeated. Yeah. But and I'm just I'm just to saying. my other point, Pierce, for all the people that are banging the drum about expansion, 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 you realize we're going to get a lot a lot of well crap how did they make it in well because you expanded it to 12 teams and so now you're going to have a lot of potential lopsided situations because i think that after eight there's a huge drop off so those first four games have potential to be blowout city every single year so yeah yeah you're not wrong I, i do think though like okay Let's say this. Let's say if Florida State and sorry, Hank, I know we're we're boring you with this uh, back and forth. You're, he's just looking around, just no. licking his mustache. Um, but, exactly okay, how about this though? And and I'm not really a for or against the 12 team. I mean, in some ways I think it's cool, in other ways I think it's you know blind and pointless. But because this is one of the first years though with you know more teams in the mix where there's legitimate argument to be had about you know a number of different teams. But an FSU in a 12 team playoff. You know, you then could have them not have to maybe play in that first – maybe they play in the first week. Maybe they, they, they dock them, you know, three or four points, and I don't know how exactly it's going to work. You know, maybe uh, a conference champion that gets an automatic buy. I don't know how that works. But, you know, then an FSU goes up against who would be the number 10 or 11 team, like an old Miss. 
they they have the talent to beat an Ole Miss and to have a fun game with Ole Miss, even with Tate Rodemaker. It's only because we're talking about the top two teams in the country is who they'll have to face. So things are a little different. And 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 I think FSU fans would say, obviously, they would want they want to win a national championship this year, and they have immense talent there. But without um, Jordan Travis, you know, I think if it was a twelve team playoff, get into the playoff, get a win. That's a very, very, very successful season, no matter what happens in the next round. So, um, but yeah, it's <laughs> next year is going to be wild, 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 wild. It's going to be wild. weird. It's going to be weird. We'll see how that goes when we get there. But uh, let's flip it over here to another game that potentially uh, we got a playoff team in. Potentially, they're going to need a little bit of help, and they're going to have to uh, also take care of business this next week. But Hank's going to be talking about that Iron Bowl for his bad. Uh, so take it away, Hank. Yeah, I'm putting Auburn in bad, but it's really just for that lone play at the end, that decision there. I, I just think it's, I mean, it's been talked about <clears throat> a bunch since then, obviously, um, if you listen to any other podcasts. Um, but the, the idea to rush two there just doesn't make sense to me. And after such a great game where you were in it, um, now granted, a lot of that was to... Um, to Alabama's, you know, bad play, but Auburn stuck in it the whole game, um, took advantage, you know, of, of some, uh, some mistakes by Alabama and we're in it there at the end. And then to just pretty much just kind of say, Hey, we're just going to let you throw it into the end zone. Um, and hopefully our guys can go up and get it. It's just, it seemed so idiotic to me. I mean, even just, I mean, rush, I mean, even just just rush four. Like, I mean, just put like I don't know, put put some big guys in the the uh, end zone and um make them you know make them have a underneath route that they you know think they can throw to the fifteen and have to you have to make it in that way and stop them. Don't let them you know throw it. Don't let them have all day. And then even then, I mean, if you watch it, they don't even really rush the two. They're basically just spying. It's like they were worried more about Jalen running. Um, the thirty whatever plus yards to get in than they were about the the receivers in the end zone. It just was that one play put it puts it in the bad category. But all in all, I mean, it was tough to uh, it was tough to say they played a bad game necessarily. It was just that one bad decision that kind of spoiled the uh, spoiled their uh, their possible win there. So we'll put Auburn there. Um, it really could have gone Alabama. Really, I think Auburn won this game. It's just that one one play, and you can never you can say that maybe that that doesn't change anything. But but it just the decision is just crazy to me. Yeah, decision after you've been getting to him all night long yeah. to just I mean just give him all day to throw. But what a win on the flip side, biasly for Georgia in that. Like you, the last thing you want is at Bama coming in pissed off, um, you know, because they, they already had clinched the SEC, so that didn't matter. So they come in pissed off, they come in fired up, and they just want to just wreck shop. Instead, I think you're getting off a very emotional win. I think you're going to get – and it's Nick Saban, so it's it's different, it's different beast. But you're getting an Alabama team instead that's coming in emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever you want to say, depleted. Um, that right there was their Super Bowl. Like – I mean, they're going to get up for this game and, and you never count Nick Saban out, but what a way for it to go to have to play them next week in the SEC championship. Cause hand up, I know we're supposed to have this whole, like, we're not scared of Bama. We're not, I'm scared of Bama. I'm always scared of Bama. I'm always going to be scared of Bama. And if I, there was, if I could have drawn it up perfectly, that's exactly how that game went. And you hopefully gave Kirby smart, the exact blueprint he needs on how to beat, uh, beat uh, Bama next week. So we shall see. Um, let's look over here to our uglies of the week. Um, you know, hey, you could say good on Oklahoma, but uh, let's talk here about the TCU defense and hand up. I wasn't this wasn't even on my radar to talk about for ugly, but Pierce uh, Pierce had to um, kind of point it out there. So, you know, hey, he's he'll admit he'll admit when his team is down. He was banging the drum there in the house that uh, they should fire uh, Sonny Dykes already and go away from him because of the performance putting up or giving up 69 points to Oklahoma. Uh, obviously, Jeff Levy, the mastermind behind that Oklahoma offense, is off the greener pastures to be head coach elsewhere. But TCU losing this game, missing a bowl, and 69 points. I mean, you just look through it. They had double digits 
Oklahoma scored double digits in every single quarter, 28 in the second quarter. Uh, TCU did put a little bit of a run um, in the, the third quarter there, but uh, only were able to put up 45 points in the game and not get it done. Uh, versus, versus, I guess, who is considered their big rival. I don't really get why some of these rivalries are the way they are, but whatever. Uh, Dylan Gabriel was 24 of 38 for 400 yards and three touchdowns. He did have one interception, but uh, you give up 400 yards to the uh, to the to the quarterback. That's wild. So bad, bad of the week. TCU, your season's over. Go home, think about things, figure it out. Um, they're not going to fire Sonny Dykes. He made it to the national championship his first year, but. Put together another couple of seasons like that. I think Hank Pierce or Pierce will get his wish, not Hank will get his wish. Pierce will get his wish there for TCU. I don't wish for him to be fired. What? I don't wish for him to be fired. I wish for him to lose his job. I just think that you need to look at the Big 12 and what's happening in the Big 12 with with the power that is the Big 12 leaving to go to another conference. There's now a major power void. And if I agree with this, if you know you don't take advantage of the next year or two you're going to be left out of that power void. Um, and I think TCU has all the resources and everything to to jump into that power void. So I, I don't think you can just be, you know, kind of meander through these next couple seasons and not be very direct and intent on what you're trying to do. Um, that being said, I have mentioned, you know, I, I don't think I've ever said he's got to go, but I definitely think you look at his job very hard right now because you gotta you got to figure out Okay, what's going to get us into that level? What's going to get us? And, and I will say, the one thing that TCU does have going for them, they have been the most successful team when they've peaked um, out of the teams remaining in the Big 12. But I certainly think, and, and he was an up-and-comer and is very highly thought of, but I think you got to part with the D coordinator. I, I think Joe Gillespie has done an awful job this year. He was very meh last year, too. Um, I, I think they need to look to evaluate that position very, very hard going into this offseason. All right. Well, there you go. There's the TCU. Not much to say. We'll move on here. Pierce, what's your ugly of the week? Uh, ugly of the week is Oregon State Beavers. Listen, they, they not only uh, got walloped on the field, but um, like I hit on at the beginning of the of the podcast, it was the final nail in the coffin for, uh, you know, the, the, the history, I guess you want to say, of Oregon State being a, you know, power five team. Um, uh, you get your guy. You get a guy like a Kirby Smart, a guy that you played for your program, know what knows what it's about, uh, pours his heart and soul into it. And sadly, um, due to mostly un- unforeseen circumstances, they now uh, are without a head coach. They're without a conference, and they lost in their final game to their arch rival in in pretty in pretty poor fashion. And the last um, time they're going to be playing them for their foreseeable future. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's a shame. It's sad. This is going to be a program where you're going to see it's kind of the death of a program in a weird way. And that's that's sad to say. Um, so, you know, more than I know we didn't touch on Oregon. Oregon uh, is playing very well. Um, I think as of the eye test, they are a top 14 without a doubt right now. Agreed. They do need some things to go their way. It, plus, they just need to beat Washington. They beat Washington. I think everything will kind of sort itself out. Um, but um, and they'll get that chance this week, but man, um, you know, Oregon played well and Oregon state had a solid season. Didn't, didn't reach the mark they were hoping to. Um, but, to, to, to have still an okay, uh, solid season coming off of one of your more successful seasons last year to now be without a coach who went to your school and played quarterback at your school, um, which I'm sure stings even more and you're without a conference and you know, there's just not much looking up for this program. And that's sad to say, because, you know, we all need beavers in our life. Oh, my God. True. Ew, what the? F- okay, we're going to leave that there. I was going to wrap it up with a bow, but we're just going to leave I that did, there. I just said it's nice to have beavers. The, be- the beavers, it's a great logo. It's a great, love the colors. I mean, that was an all-time color matchup. You're the one making it dirty. <laughs> all right, let's leave that there. Hank, what is your ugly of the week? No beavers. <laughs> Um, my, I'm going to go with just the ugliest game and hopefully no one watched it. Um, and that's the Clemson versus South Carolina game. I mean, let me just read you off some statistics here in this game. We had Spencer Rattler was the leading, um, passer here with 112 yards, um, zero touchdowns and an interception. So when that's your leading passer, you're usually not getting the uh, 
the best game here um, to watch, at least. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, I guess you, if you like defense, it's one thing, but it's really just the slop. It just seemed sloppy. Um, I, I don't think we really watched much of this at all, if any. Um, but, and then again, it's just at club Nick threw for a hundred yards and interception. It was just an all around ugly game. So, um, there's a couple other uglies I could go with, but I just went with the overall ugliest game from, from a, uh, overall standpoint there with a 16 to seven win that the Tigers pulled out. Just glad that I wasn't tuned in too much to this one. Yeah. And, uh, to wrap it up with a bow, like I was going to with, uh, what Pierce was talking about, you go out with a whimper with two transfer quarterbacks who did pretty well for your program, obviously more up and down with Spencer Rattler there at South Carolina. I think he maybe has one more year of eligibility. Um, I guess he's coming back. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that, but DJU uh, certainly will go from Oregon state and he did great for them, brought them back, put them on the map. What a fun season for Oregon state, uh, South Carolina, not so much Clemson though, props to them for turning it around um, and not losing Dabo to Texas A&M. So we'll see what they do here. Uh, next year. Um, all right, that does it for our good, bad, and ugly. Really quickly here before we get you out of it, uh, out of this podcast, Pierce, what are our braggers of the week? A lot of big uh, statistical performances this week. Uh, leading them off, the best of the best this week. Noah Fafita, Arizona quarterback, and their win 59-23 over Arizona State. 30 for 41 for 527 yards, five TDs. Did have one lone interception. But uh, Noah Fafita has a stranglehold on that job in Tucson, um, and Arizona had a spectacular season. Chandler Rogers, quarterback at North Texas in their 45-42 win over UAB, 30-53 of for 404 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. Dylan Gabriel, how can I not say him? Another kick, kick me while I'm down moment. 69-45 over TCU, 24-38 for 400 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. Going to be interesting to see what he does moving forward. Does he follow Jeff Levy? like he did to OU. Does he follow him to Starkville with Jackson Arnold on deck? Um, what happens there? That'll be very fascinating to watch uh, moving forward. Um, rushing-wise, Abu Sama, uh, Iowa State, in that spectacular game uh, in the Snow Bowl, 42-35 at Kansas State, 16 carries for 276 yards and three TDs, 17.3 uh, yards per carry average. Audric Estime, Notre Dame running back, finishes out his season in a 56-23 win at Stanford, 25 carries for 238 yards and four TDs. Um, Ja'Cory Krosky-Merritt, North uh, New Mexico, uh, did come up in a losing effort against Utah State, 44-41. However, he goes for 233 on 31 carries and a touchdown. And last but not least, cannot throw my guy in here, Cody Schrader, um, 48-14 win over Arkansas. He goes 27 carries for 217 yards and a touchdown. Oh, and I'll throw this one in there as well. you got to throw out. Um, since it is the final time to give these guys a shout-out. Ollie Gordon, the second, Oklahoma State, in their 40-34 comeback win, double overtime win over BYU, 34 carries for 166 yards and five TDs as he looks to have a big week next week uh, and try to get the upset against Texas. And last but not least, uh, in the receiving category, and I'm going to butcher this name. I've been I've been trying to say it for about 15 minutes while I've been on mute. Tatora McMillan? Tataroa? To Teroa, McMillan, God, I, I probably butchered the hell Nailed that. it, I'm sure. Uh, McMillan, uh, 59-23 win over Arizona State. 11 receptions for 266 yards and a touchdown. Casey Washington, Casey Washington in the loss to Northwestern, 45-43. Um, the Illinois receiver goes nine receptions for 218 yards and three TDs. Um, Jalen Noel, Iowa State, two big performances from Iowa State players, not just the running back. Um, he goes three carry or three receptions for 160 yards and two TDs, and those are my braggers of rivalry week. I was about to say you weren't. You said the last time I can shout them out, Oklahoma State's got a big one this week, and they could potentially dash Texas's hopes at a playoff spot. So uh, you, you you luckily saved that one, but I was getting offended for Summer Frazier over here. Um, all right, that's going to do it here for no <laughs> for our. Uh, week 12, last regular season recap. It just comes and goes so quick. Uh, it'll be the lo- It's the longest offseason of any sport, and we're almost there, so it's very sad. But we have a lot of good football to play still, a lot of good bowl games and, of course, playoffs and everything to break down. Uh, that's going to do it here for us this week, though. Make sure you're following us on social media, at Pod, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe. We'll be back in a, a couple of nights, honestly, just to uh, talk about championship weekend and break it all down. 
Um, I sadly gave up my seat. Not sadly. It's, you know, it needed to happen. But I gave up my seat to the SEC championship. And you know what? If we win, I'll be sad. If we lose, I'll be damn happy because I have horrors of that place against Alabama. But hopefully this is the year we'll break down all of that. Uh, on you'll be happy if, if, if they lose? If what? If Georgia loses, you'll I'll be, be happy, happy I'm not there. Yeah, that's a sad. I'll be happy I'm not there. I'll put it that way. Yes, 100%. If, if we lose. But if we win, I'll be very sad about it. So, But I, I hopefully. I have a lot of horrors of being there. The last time was not so good. Hank remembers. We were sitting up there in the rafters of Mercedes-Benz, and it was just like, here we go again. Here we go again. Um, all right. That's going to do it, it here for awful. us. We will see you in a little bit. Until next time, I'm Addison. I'm Hank. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all. <laughs>